Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm really excited about this new series that we're starting and it's simply called God, Money and Me. God, Money and Me. And you'll see the subheading there is about creating a pathway to financial freedom. Church, this is not a money grab. This is simply some teaching over the next three weeks, coupled with some curriculum that we're going to do in our connect groups. And the books of Paul's will be available in the resource centre. We want to get in your hand to help you create a pathway to financial freedom. Okay, so it's available in the Resource Centre and it's a series about our relationship with money. If we don't get our relationship with money right, it affects our relationships with others. I've been pastoring for many years and dealing with many people's problems in their marriage, but society and statistics tell us that just over 50% of all marriage breakups are in and around the issue of finance. It's an amazing statistic to me. And for us as a church to recognise that and to know that and not speak into it would absolutely be wrong of us. Jesus spoke more about our relationship with money than heaven and hell combined. He spoke more about our relationship with money than prayer and faith. And while that doesn't mean that these things are more or less important than money, He did speak about them more with good reason And I believe that's to combat the money myths that are out there. And there are many. And so today, as part one of our series, we're going to be looking at money myths. Everyone say money myths. You may have heard it said that money doesn't grow on trees. You ever heard that? Unfortunately, that is very true. I mean, wouldn't that be good if money grew on trees? The question I posed in our chapel services is this, if money did grow on trees, how much would that tree cost us? I mean, imagine going to shop, I want a money tree. I mean, how much would that cost? I mean, if you had the rights to selling money trees, I mean, that's a gold mine right there. Unfortunately, money does not grow on trees. That is true. But equally as true, and I want you to get this, money doesn't come at an altar call either. If we can just dig down a little bit deeper today. You can come down the front and say, can you pray for me to have more finance? You know, money doesn't come on trees and money doesn't come at an altar call. And nor does money come through just being generous. If you obey God with your tithe, but don't manage the rest of your money, there's a very good chance you will live in need. I know people who tithe regularly and yet struggle financially. And so if just being generous and just obeying God in the area of tithing was the answer to poverty, then we'd see many, many Christians succeeding when actually they're still struggling. In actual fact, Paul's book was written based upon his own experience. Because at the age of 38, Pastor Paul, who was a very generous man, gave away all that he had, but at 38 realised, I've got nothing. And he realised that generosity alone doesn't guarantee you a financial pathway of success. And so this is at the heart of 
what we want to share over this three weeks. I mentioned to the men and women in chapel service this morning, who here likes banana cake? You know, I, I do. I actually like banana cake. And I pose this question. Do you know that there are more than just bananas in banana cake? And it was like a shock to them. I know it won't be a shock to you because we're all very smart in this, in this congregation. But seriously, as much as you may love banana cake, there are more ingredients than just bananas in a banana cake. Wouldn't it be easy if all you needed to make banana cake was bananas? That would be easy. The trouble is there are other ingredients in a banana cake. And you need all of those ingredients in order for the banana cake to be a great banana cake. And not only do you need all the ingredients, you need all those ingredients put together well and to be cooked just right. And so in order for us to taste a yummy piece of banana cake, there are a number of ingredients and there is a pathway of putting those ingredients together in order for us to enjoy the cake. And I feel that the victorious Christian life is very similar to that banana cake. If you want a victorious Christian life, the answer is not just tithing. There is no magical bullet. You can't just say tithing is the answer. There are a number of ingredients that we need to embrace as individuals in order to experience the victorious Christian life. And one of those ingredients is definitely and absolutely the issue and area of our finance. This is one of the missing ingredients in many Christians' lives. They just make prayer the answer to everything. The trouble is with prayer, not all of our problems are spiritual. Sometimes they're physical, sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're mental, sometimes they're financial. And if we only have one silver bullet, we're going to live below the intended life that He had for us. And so as with every week, every month, every year that we exist as a church, we want to present a well-balanced gospel and we want to preach a well-balanced message that can help us succeed in every area of our lives. And this particular series is no exception. Giving to God is no replacement for good money management. Many have embraced generosity, but have not necessarily embraced the reaping. If you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what he's decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, to make, uh, is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. God promises us to live a blessed life and that He would give to us abundance in every good work. And yet, as I've already mentioned, there are many Christians, even generous ones, that don't seem to experience that. Write this down. Incomplete understandings create restricted outcomes. 
Incomplete understandings create restricted outcomes. I remember, and it wasn't that long ago, that I'd bought myself this cabinet that we wanted for our bedroom. And unfortunately, it didn't come with any instructions. All it came with was a picture of the finished product. And so there was a measure of instruction. And so I kept looking at the finished product as I tried to put this cabinet together. And when I'd finished, I looked at it, it was put together But if I'm honest, I knew like I knew like I knew there was just something not quite right about my cupboard that I'd put together. You see, the instructions that I had were incomplete. And my best effort to put them together only got the job half done. I got it together, but it didn't quite look right. And I think that's a picture of many of our lives. We've got it together, but it's just not quite right. We're married and we've got it together, but we know, we know it's just not quite right. Maybe in the area of our finances, the same is true. Yeah, we've got some money coming in now. We've got it together kind of, but we know if we look at it and study it, it's just not quite what it should be. And that's because incomplete understandings create restricted outcomes. We must identify areas where wrong thinking has restricted God's ability to break through in our material worlds. So that some of the myths that we're about to look at have possibly hindered you. There are many myths. Pastor Paul DeYoung in his book looks at seven. This morning, I want to look at three money myths that have maybe restricted you and are holding you back. This series is not necessarily about giving, although that is a part of the pathway. This is a series about finance specifically. And so myth number one, money is not something we should focus on. This is a very loud and clarion call for many Christians. They say, money is not something that we should focus on. I tend to disagree with that thought because whatever you don't focus on or whatever you don't give attention to or whatever you neglect, you will lose. If you don't focus on your marriage and you neglect your marriage, you will ultimately lose your marriage. If you don't focus on or if you neglect your health, guess what? You're going to neglect your health or lose your health. If you don't focus on certain areas of your life, you will lose that area. If you got employed and your boss is paying you and you don't focus on your job and the task at hand, you will lose your job. That makes sense, yeah? Well, why is it any different then when it comes to our finances? If we don't focus on money, we're going to lose the money that we have. How many of you have said, I don't know where my money goes? Maybe, just maybe, it's because we're not giving it the attention that God intends us to give finance. And we hide behind super spiritual responses like, I don't focus on money. I say personally that if that is true for you, that's actually irresponsible. And through this series, we want to help you to begin to put the attention where it needs to be. 
particularly in this area. Money is something that we should focus on. Why? Because it's a big part of our lives. Unless, of course, you don't plan on eating anytime soon. Or maybe you don't plan on drinking. Or maybe you don't plan on wearing clothes or buying a home or getting an education or driving a car. You see, that's the norm for all of us in this room today. And that's why we need to focus our attention in this particular area. Every day we feel the pressure of conflict around money and the things to do with it in this material world. And if we don't focus on it, it will rule our future. If we don't focus on it, it will rule our future. Every home has a culture, either by design or by default. Every life has a culture, either by design or by default. Every garden has a culture by design or by default. Our garden has a culture by design. We get Luke Jackson to come round on a regular basis and make sure our lawns are mowed and our weeds are pulled up and our gardens are trimmed. And if you came to our home, you say, oh, you have a nice garden. And I would say, yes, we have a nice garden by design. But you know what? If we didn't have a garden by design, we would still have a garden. But it would be a garden by default. And it would look different than the garden we presently have. Because a garden by design always looks different than a garden by default. A garden by design looks neatly manicured and clean and tidy and livable. A garden by default is full of weeds, long grass, and little critters you don't want, particularly when you've got young kids. It's still a garden. It's just not the garden you want because we didn't give it the attention that it needed. And our lives are the same when it comes to our finances. Your finances will either be by design or by default. And if we don't give attention to it, it will end up ruling our future. Money dictates, directs and decides every area of our life. We are all disempowered by it when we don't have enough. That would be fair to say. There are certain things we can't do when we don't have enough money. That's a, that, that is a fair comment, yeah? We are all distracted if we don't surrender it. If we don't surrender the power that money has over our lives, it will distract us. Jesus said it this way, you'll either serve God or money. It's amazing to me that He got it down to those two things, that you'll either serve God or money. And so if we don't surrender the power that money can have over our lives, it will end up distracting our lives and ruling our lives. And we all become dominated by the control of it, if it's not surrendered. If you don't like this particular teaching about money, then think about this. Because we all love teachings in the areas that we are set free in. I remember not too long ago, we did a series called Body, Soul and Spirit. And I stood up here and talked about the need to be fit and healthy as one of the ingredients of the victorious Christian life. And all the gym junkies and all the uh, watch what you eat people in our church, and there are a number, they, they loved, they loved that message because they have a measure of freedom in that area. And if it was up to them, we'd still be in that series. 
a year later, they'd say, let's, let's just keep sharing that because it made them feel good about themselves because it's an area that they're excelling in. It's an area they're succeeding in. And you know what? If they're really honest, some of them might have even liked the fact that there are certain people in the room that really needed to hear that. <laughs> and, and we're like that as human beings, aren't we? We love to celebrate areas that we find we have freedom in already. So whether it's in the area of fitness, whether it's in the area of hospitality, Mick and Katie Roberts are Mr. and Mrs. Hospitality. And anytime I speak about the need for us to be hospitable, open up your homes and have people in and cook a barbie and love on people, they're like, yes, amen, preach it. Because they have a freedom, absolute freedom in that area. They love it. Why? Because they're free in that area. There's no condemnation because they're just absolutely living in the freedom of that truth. And so I could go on and on and on. Any area that we experience freedom in, any area we celebrate. Maybe, just maybe today, there's a bit of a sting when it comes to money. And that's not bad. That's Holy Spirit letting us know that there's areas of our lives that maybe we're not as free in. And that's why it needs to be spoken about. Because whom the Son sets free will be free indeed. And our job as a church is to address every area in order to see freedom come to all the areas of our life. If we are not free financially, we are limiting what we can do in God's kingdom. The purpose of this series is to let the Word of God be the foundation of our thinking and not let myths or, dare I say, stinking thinking, rule our lives. In Proverbs 22 verse 7, it says, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. If you don't have breakthrough sorry, in the area of our finance, you'll always be under the control of someone or something. And God doesn't want us to allow money to make our lives derailing by our decisions. God wants us in the driver's seat of our lives. In 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Chronicles 29 verse 12, it says, Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. You see, both riches and honour come from God. And money is something that we need to talk about. And if it is presently ruling our lives, we need to find an answer to it. We're not here to bring condemnation to anyone in any area that you're presently struggling with. But we do want to create pathways in order to help you with what you're presently struggling with. Myth number one is that money should not be talked about or focused on. And I'm here to say we need to focus on it and we need to talk about it. Because if we neglect it, we'll ultimately lose it. Myth number two, God's blessings are not material. Again, all these myths, they sound right. They sound spiritual, but they are misleading. It would be correct if you said God's blessings are not only material. That would be true. But to say God's blessings are not material is absolutely incorrect because they do include material things as well. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God says, uh, that he blessed them, meaning Adam and Eve, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God's intention was to bless Adam and Eve. 
and set them up as rulers. And that intention has not changed. He wants us to rule and have dominion and multiply and to be fruitful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, we need a revelation about money, not just information. Revelation, not just information, determines our response. You know, I trust that through this series, you'll get some information, but I'm trusting you'll pray about it. I'm trusting you'll seek God's face and that information will turn into revelation because it's revelation that will change your response. Remember Jesus, He was sitting around with the 12 disciples and He asked them, who do the people say that I am? And based upon the information that was available to them, they came up with all manner of answers. They said, well, basically your dad was a carpenter. We know you did um, some carpentry. So some say you're the carpenter's son based on information. And, and, and there wasn't, that wasn't exactly wrong, but it wasn't detailed enough. And some said, you know, you're one of the prophets of old that have come alive again based upon some scriptures. They had their information, but they didn't have revelation. And it was only one man by the name of Peter who said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Peter was able to take all the information, but turn that information into revelation. And on that revelation, Jesus gave him a revelation about who he really was. See, it's not enough just to have information. We need to have revelation, particularly when it comes to our finances. And here's a newsflash. Prosperity is not a dirty word, but it's actually a biblical concept. We often uh, live with the lie that God wants us to live with lack. And yet in Proverbs 11 verse 10, it says, the righteous, sorry, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices and the wicked perish. There are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but the mouth of the wicked is destroyed. The purpose of prosperity is to free you in order to free others. God wants to bless you in order to be a blessing to others. Prosperity is not a dirty word. It's a biblical word. And there is a purpose attached to that prosperity and that blessing. And it's not that you might be greedy. It's not that you may just hold on and make more and more wealth for yourself. It's so that we might be a blessing and be able to help others and set up future generations. And that's why the enemy hates it. Because when we get breakthrough in this area, we bring breakthrough to others. Amen. So myth number one, we should talk about it. The answer to myth number two is that God's blessings do contain material things. And thirdly, third myth is my money is a private affair. And again, we have our scriptures at the ready to justify why it is a private affair. And many would say it's a private affair because the Bible says that we should not let our right hand know what our left hand is doing. And to that, I would say that that is a partial truth. It's not a whole truth. It's a partial truth. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and get the proper context of that verse. Matthew chapter 6, 
verses 3 to 4. It says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your right, left hand sorry, know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. See, this is not about hiding our financial world. What Jesus was addressing was motive. He was addressing those religious people that love to be seen by people. And they love to get the accolades and praise from people. They were people pleasers. And they love to show off their generosity to receive the applause from people. That's what Jesus was addressing. He was addressing their motive. He wasn't saying, do not know what your right hand is doing from your left hand when it comes to organising and managing your finances. In actual fact, Jesus was saying the opposite. We need to bring into the light that which we like to keep in the darkness. The only one who wins when we keep something in the darkness is the enemy. But in order for us to get set free from any area of our life, we've got to bring it out into the open. If you're struggling with jealousy, the way to get healed from jealousy is to recognise I'm jealous. You've got to bring it out into the open. I'm just being jealous. That's the first step to getting healed from your jealousy. The moment we leave our jealousy in the darkness and don't tell anyone or, or don't heed anyone's advice when it comes to that area of our life, we stay bound in what is hurting us because jealousy will hurt you. And that is true of any area in our life. It's only as we step out into the light that we receive the help that we can. Jesus said, you are a city on a hill. You are a light to the world because Jesus knows it's only light that can truly help people and not darkness. We need to be people that bring this area of our life into the light in order to get the necessary help that we need. I've said this many times before from this platform that I've never made a major decision in my life on my own. I really haven't. Not from the first car that I bought, to the woman that I married, to the starting the church, to buildings that we've been involved in, to renovations, etc., etc., etc. I've always had someone speaking into my world. Yesterday was a real highlight for me as a dad because I saw my son embracing the same wisdom that I embraced when I was his age when it came to buy my first car. In actual fact, I saw the funny side of it because I've told the story many times before how um, I love my dad. You know that. Anyone who knows me knows I love my dad. I've shared many stories about my dad, how he's helped me, groomed me, fashioned me, shaped me uh, throughout my, my life. I thank God for him. But I also know my dad well enough to know he doesn't know anything about cars. And so when it came to buy my first car, I said, Dad, I love you, but I'm not taking you out to help me buy a new car because I'll only come back with the prettiest colour because he's a, he's, a, he's a creative guy but he's not a mechanical guy. And so I went across the road to Uncle John and he helped me buy my first car. Well, yesterday, Mitch comes to me and it was like deja vu. He said, Dad, you know I love you. <laughs> you know I appreciate you and you've groomed and fashioned much of my life. 
And I think you're an amazing dad. I might have added that bit, but I think that's what you're thinking. <laughs> and he said, but I, I want to go looking for cars and I phoned Uncle Mick. Mick Roberts, the mechanic. And so yesterday from one o'clock to four o'clock, they went looking at cars, which was a real thrill to me because I think it was a wise decision because I know nothing about cars. That is a good decision. Well done, son. And he took Uncle Mick and Uncle Mick does what Uncle Mick does best. He looks at cars, but stopping off at coffee along the way. So I looked at Mitchie's Insta story and I'm saying, did you look at cars or did you just drink coffee? Because there's lots of, lots of coffee stops. And I say, hey, Mitch, every father's desire is that you would not only be as wise, but you would be wiser than I was at your age. And I said, if you've got any smarts about you, you'll take Uncle Mick to look at a car. And once you've picked the car that Uncle Mick is happy with, you should say goodbye to Uncle Mick. And you should phone Uncle Andre. Because Uncle Andre will help you get the best price for the car that Uncle Mick picked. Mitchie's going to get a lot of help making the best possible decision. You know why? Because he steps out into the light and says, you know what, I don't know much about cars. The moment you stay in the dark and say, I do, because for, you've got to be honest, girls, you don't understand this, but for a teenage male, there's a, there's, a, there's a stock standard thought out there that you should love cars. Danny Guglielmucci loves cars. I remember listening to him as a young man and all his illustrations were cars. And I thought, I can never be a pastor because <laughs> I don't like cars. And, and it's humbling for a 16, 17-year-old male to say, uh, I don't really know much about cars. It's humbling. You're meant to go, oh. But I thank God there's a security in my son. I say, you know, I don't know much about cars. I know I need a good one. I know I need one that's economical and won't break down, etc., etc., etc. Hey, because I don't know, now he's in the light. He can get the help he needs. There's this notion out there that we should all know how to manage money. But most people don't. It affects us all. And most people don't know how to manage it. And the, at the heart of this series is to help us create financial freedom. But the best way you can help us help you is stepping out of the darkness and bringing that to light. You know, this notion that it's a private affair that does not wash in the world in which we live. Can you imagine as a church, we start up the organisation called Victory Church and we go to the tax man and say, hey, look, we've got nothing to show you this year because the Bible says we are not to know what our right hand is doing from our left hand. You're laughing because it's ridiculous. And that's why this myth is so ridiculous. When it comes to your generosity and your giving, yeah, do it in secret. 
But when it comes to managing your money, bring it into the open, get the help from experts so that you don't go to jail. Can you imagine me saying to this taxman, hey, I'm just doing what the Word of God says. I don't know what my right hand is doing from my left hand. And he says, that's fine, but you will go to jail. And if you dismiss this teaching, that's fine, but you will not live in the freedom that you could have by receiving this teaching. And I personally don't have all the answers. But the great thing about leading a church like this is I'm in contact with people who are far smarter, far bigger, far better in this particular area than I am. And I'm proud to say I'm connected to them. And that has helped me make some wise decisions in areas that I'm not naturally wise. If you want wisdom, just hang around wiser people in those particular areas of your life. I do. I thank God for the Guglamuchis. I thank God for the Paul Deongs. I thank God for people in my world that I've been able to draw wisdom from because they're that further down the track than I am. And to be able to told that I've made some good, godly decisions over the years, I smile because I think it's only because I've been around good, godly people that I've been able to make good, godly decisions. I'm a conglomeration of everyone else's wisdom. I'm just smart enough to be in their presence. And so when it comes to our finances, I would say the same thing. We need to be prepared to bring into the light some of the areas and issues of our finances in order to get the help that we need. Because we don't need any more divorce because of this issue. We don't need any more suffering because we have to deal with the kids now who experience the separation of mum and dad because we couldn't get this area of our life right. We, we can stop the rot. We can make a dent in some of these statistics out there if we would embrace teaching such as these. Today's decisions and disciplines determine tomorrow's outcomes. See, money doesn't change you. It unmasks you. This notion that if I had more money, I would give then, that, that has never worked. Because having more money doesn't change you. It just unmasks what you already think and believe. And so if you can't give when you have little, you won't give when you have much. Whatever's in your heart will be in your heart whether you have money or don't have money. What we need is a revelation and a change of thinking first that we can make the necessary changes in regards to this area. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, as the band comes back, it says, But remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. God does want to bless. God does want to prosper you. God does want to bless you. But the challenge to all those that went into the promised land is the same challenge to us. Remember where the prosperity and the blessing comes from. Let us not forget that. We must always remember that He is the source. Amen. You know, a teaching like this 
where we can get it around our neck is that we, is that we think if we do this, I'll be like so and so. And I'm not here promising that you will have as much as somebody else. That's what we call the curse of comparison. Whenever you compare yourself to someone else, that's when we get into trouble. What I can promise you is a better you. What I can promise you is this, if we will embrace this teaching, your finances and your life will be better than it's been before. It may not equal someone else's better, but it will equal your better. In the Old Testament is a story of a man by the name of Joseph and he was harshly treated by his brothers. He was thrown in a pit. He was sold as a slave. He ended up in jail, falsely accused of having an adulterous affair. Many years went by and God remembered Joseph. And after many years of hardship, God exalted him to being second in charge of all of Egypt. Only Pharaoh had greater authority than Joseph, who was the then Prime Minister of Egypt. There was a famine in the land and all the people from all over the world, including Israel, where his brothers lived, came to Egypt to get grain. And then there was this incredible moment where Joseph stood face to face with his brothers for the first time in 22 years. The last time he saw his brothers, they'd thrown him in a pit. 22 years later, he stands before them. And the Bible says this, they didn't recognise Joseph but he recognised them. I think that's a picture of many Christians today. Joseph was unrecognisable because he was a different person. He'd gone through so much and learnt so much and changed so much and embraced every season so much that 22 years later, he was unrecognisable. He was just this 17-year-old punk kid who had a big mouth. But now he's second in charge of a nation. But the brothers are exactly the same. He recognised them. Because they're involved in the same conversation, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Time alone won't change you. Decisions change you. Right thinking changes you. The application of those thoughts change you. And I see Joseph in jail, not fully comprehending nor understanding why he was there, but making the most of it. Embracing and adopting a good attitude. Holding on to the dream that he was given as a 17-year-old boy. And there, 22 years later, standing before him are his brothers and that dream comes to pass. But they don't recognise him. I believe there are people in your world that five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years now, 20 years from now, aren't going to recognise you. Next, year I want to show a video, uh, next week, I want to show a video of Andre's life. Andre was a man who was gripped by the love of money and the chase of money and the thrill of money. And we've already experienced in his life the change. People who used to know the old Andre can't believe that this, they can't, he's, I can't believe it's you, Andre. This is my heart and desire behind this series. In fact, it's my desire behind, uh, behind any time I open my mouth that we would embrace the teaching, that we'd embrace all the ingredients and we'd have an incredible banana cake life.
Amen. The stand. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 